Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup and a special episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. Joining me today is my my dear friend, Megan Silas, who she and I have been hard at work in this 2020 year of sharing our love for our friendship to start off with and trying to just pass along a little wisdom that maybe we've gleaned or that we learn along the way um, about relationships. So welcome. That's right. So it's great uh, to be doing this sort of joint uh, yeah. podcast slash Red Sea Roundup episode for those of you who are shoulder to shoulder listeners, but aren't uh, Red Sea Radio Roundup listeners. Um, shoulder to Shoulder is produced by Red Sea Catholic Radio, which is located in College Station, Texas. And uh, we are so blessed to have the beautiful people here uh, produce our show, uh, the podcast, and we sort of live on on the website and app for Red Sea Catholic Radio. But in addition to this podcast, you know, there are a number of uh, live shows that happen on Red Sea Radio, and um, Roundup is one of them. Yes. So this this episode is simultaneously going to be a roundup episode that gets aired on the radio as well as a podcast episode for shoulder to shoulder. So it's fun. Yeah. I've deemed it the crossover. I was asking Megan, I said, Hey, do you mind doing a crossover where we do roundup and shoulder to shoulder at the same time to give a little more airtime to um, our passion and love that we've really enjoyed doing shoulder to shoulder and talking about relationships. I know just in the course of this year and listening and talking with Megan and talking through relationship issues that I've learned a lot myself, just even being a part of um, being a host. So we hope that you will really uh, tune in. It's going to be, you can find it on Spotify. You can also get it on Podbean or on the Red Sea Radio app, which is my favorite personally. Um, With that, I want us to start talking about this topic today that Megan brought up to me because um, it is now been declared the year of St. Joseph. That's right. So on December 8th, which is the feast, uh, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, uh, Pope Francis declared that it would be the year of St. Joseph. And he in his he wrote an apostolic letter, which was called, you'll hear it in Latin, Patris Corde, which is with a father's heart. And in it, he talks about how um, this is this year marks the 150th anniversary of the de- declaration of St. Joseph as patron of the universal church. So in order to mark that um that anniversary, he's proclaimed this as a year of St. Joseph, which has never been done in the history of the church before. Amazing. We have never had a year of St. Joseph. And I think it's just a beautiful, timely thing that he's declared this. You know, I'll be perfectly honest. I am not always like 100% like, woohoo, Pope Francis. There are some things that I struggle with with him. I mean, that just is. But I loved this declaration. I love what he has to say in the apostolic letter. And so I'm going to bring in some quotes from that as we talk uh, on this topic. Um, But I really think that declaring this as a year of St. Joseph isn't just about St. Joseph and his um, role as guardian of the church, guardian of the family. 
It's also about spiritual fatherhood. I think mm. that's something that we want to talk about in this episode yes. about uh, the need for spiritual fathers in our lives and, so and what that means and what that looks like when it's lived well and how that can impact us so profoundly. Um, you know, in the early, in the beginning of uh, when we were talking before the podcast started, but on the Roundup show, uh, we talked about uh, the Holy Family and, and how important that image is to us of understanding God's love for us and how he came into a family and how there's a mother and a father. And we need beautiful examples of fatherhood in this world and, and no better earthly father than St. Joseph. So to have him walk with us this year, to learn from him, to receive his paternal love, what a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful thing. I'm just so thankful. I've had a long time devotion to um, St. Joseph. Uh, Several years ago, a good friend of mine gave me a little um, devotional 30-day novena to St. Joseph, and I learned a lot more about him through that 30-day novena. And was just really convicted to pray for not just the men of my family, but throughout our nation. As most people would agree that masculinity and fatherhood has really been under attack over the last, mm-hmm. for oh sure. gosh, couple of decades now, I'd say. And, and we want to bring the light of Christ on that. And who better to show us than, than St. Joseph? Right. I have my own little personal St. Joseph story that I have to tell. Please. Uh, you know, as a convert, um, you know, Praying to saints is something that, you know, is new when you come into the Catholic Church. Generally, it's not something that non-Catholics do, uh, particularly, you know, Protestants. Um, so one would think that when I came into the Catholic Church that perhaps the first, you know, saint I would pray to would be Mary. Because obviously, you know, Mary, we got tons of prayers to her and she is preeminent of all saints. But actually, no, St. Joseph was the first saint I ever offered a prayer to for his intercession. And the reason was, is that during my conversion, my husband was having a really hard time um, with my call to become Catholic. Uh, He wasn't quite understanding it. And I thought to myself, who better to ask for help in this circumstance than from St. Joseph, who himself had to deal with a very difficult situation of his wife coming to him and telling him, yeah, so this is happening. And him being like, what the what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he had to deal with that. He, sure. he, you know, he had to deal with his initial response of to be like, okay, yeah, I'm stepping out of this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to quietly divorce her. He didn't want to shame her or anything, but he's like, I didn't sign up for this. That's right. But then, you know, he allowed the Lord to speak to his heart and, and he was, you know, staying in it. Mm. And so... I, you know, I prayed to him for his intercession. Well, so fast forward from that point, let me see, how many years was it? At that point, it was, I think, two years later, my husband was out of work and he had been for a little while. And I remember this. Right. And so <laughs> he... Um, he actually hadn't, he was kind of discerning where he wanted to go. He was, he was, had left academia and he was trying to decide where he wanted to go as far as whether he wanted to go to industry or, or whatever. So, um, he was, you know, in between jobs, but it wasn't like he'd been really working and looking for a job. He just kind of was in a discernment period. But anyway, at, at one point, a job, um, opening pops up that it looked so perfectly designed for him that he just couldn't not apply for it. He's like, all right, well, this is really checking a lot of boxes, so I'm going to apply for it. So he applied for it. And then 
you know, he had a phone interview and then he, he went in for, uh, you know, a in-person interview. And so the day he went into for the in-person interview was nine days before the feast of St. Joseph, the worker. And so, you know, me newbie Catholic was like, oh, wow, that's like a novena. I can pray a novena to St. Joseph, the worker about yeah. this job intention. And, and so I started the novena and I remember so clearly on the feast day of St. Joseph, the worker, I was walking around in the mall here in College Station, Texas, actually. And I get a phone call from my husband and he says, I got the job. And I freaked out and I was like, I knew it. I knew you were going to get the job. I've been praying a novena to St. Joseph, the worker. And today is his feast day. And you, you know, and now you've got the job. Wow. And he didn't know I was praying this novena yeah. because he make would, sense. it didn't yeah. make sense to him or whatever. And he was, I have to admit, his response was so funny. He was like, yeah, it was all you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it wasn't me. It was St. Joseph. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, so, you know, I just really mm. have this true love for St. Joseph and, and honestly in my own life have had experienced him yes. come through yes. in profound ways. Like, you know, I had that prayer early on cause my husband was struggling with my conversion. My husband has come around to be, to be beautifully supportive of my Catholic faith. And, and, you know, a lot of that stuff was just, has gone away. And yeah. so I, you know, I thank St. Joseph for his willingness to intercede in, in our lives. And he's been a pretty active part of uh, the Marvin family too. So it was very strange. Like Paul was born and raised Catholic. And I earlier, I guess in our married life, I would, I would ask him about his sacraments because, you know, being a convert, you know, how was that for you? And he couldn't recall his confirmation. He just didn't, didn't remember it. And, um, his mother, oh, yes, you have, you know, you've been confirmed, but there was no recollection of it. And uh, I've, after further pressing, it was like his mother came back one time and says, you know what? You've not been confirmed. So mm-hmm. he found out as an adult that he had, he oh, thought okay. he had been confirmed, found out he hadn't been confirmed. And it was very traumatic. It was like really kind of heart wrenching, I would say to him, like, what, 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 like you were saying. <laughs> And so I started asking for St. Joseph to really pray for him, you know, to to do w- what was right or best and, and to seek confirmation in his timing. And three years later, Paul went through the adult confirmation class. And guess whose saint name he took? St. Joseph. Yes. Beautiful. So he's been a very active part. And then two years ago, one of the ways I wanted to honor him at my house is I got the sleeping St. Joseph statue. Have you seen that one? Oh, I have. Yeah, it's I precious. I love it. And, yeah. and we do the prayer intentions. The first time I saw it was at the consecrated home mm-hmm. out of Regnum Christi. They have a little St. Joseph and they would have little pieces of paper. You could write a prayer intention and stick under his pillow, so to speak. Oh, and so when you come to my house, you'll see my little St. Joseph. They're sleeping in the entryway next to my holy family picture and with our, some prayer intentions for oh. holy families underneath. Well, that's really, that's lovely. Yeah. I, and I, I do want to like, as we talk about this topic, you know, like we say, we, we love to share these beautiful St. Joseph stories. I'm sure people could share tons of stories about how, you know, they help, he helped them sell their house or any of these sort of things. But for me, I think um, it's so important to look at him as a spiritual father and how God ordained that Christ would have an earthly father. I mean, we obviously know that, you know, his heavenly father 
was everything to Jesus. You know, their, their relationship that they had, you know, is so profound and deep and they are one, right? The father and as the father is one with me and I am one with the father, this is how Jesus talks about, um, you know, the heavenly father, but also this earthly father who taught him and protected him and guided him in this life. Because, you know, honestly, like the heavenly father couldn't necessarily be there to teach him how to be a human or carpentry. Right. And so Christ in his, in his incarnation is both fully God and fully man. And in order to become fully man, he needed to be raised by a man who taught him how to be a man, you know, what it is to be an earthly man. And that's important. And it's a, it's a beautiful role that was given to St. Joseph, who, unlike Mary, was not conceived without sin, who was not, you know, immaculate and pre- preserved from all stain of sin, you know, original sin. So in a way, like, he was the only one of the three. Yeah. The only one <laughs> of the three. Right. So what I, you know, what I was about to say is like, you know, if, if we struggle to relate to Mary sometimes because we're like, well, you know, she didn't have original sin. So how can she really relate? Well, maybe we can come to St. Joseph and be like, well, you're a little more like me. You know, you, you would, you kind of get it. <laughs> Not that yeah. Mary doesn't, but you know, if you're striving for some more accessibility within the Holy Family, I mean, perhaps you know, Saint Joseph is is a, a beautiful place to go. Right. You know, I'm glad you said that because it was a few years ago at the Red Sea Roundup Family um, Retreat. There was a speaker there who um, put Saint Joseph into a really great perspective for my husband. So Paul really enjoyed the comment that he said, you know. St. Joseph was truly the leader of their household. He was the protector and he was the leader and he was the one with the most sin, but he was still called to lead. So that, that really like eased my husband's heart thinking, you know, I can still be the leader of my home, no matter my state, you know, mm-hmm. how I am, how the state of my heart. And he found much comfort knowing St. Joseph was given that role with the most perfect of humans. Yeah, when I was reading the uh, apostolic letter, uh, there was a quote that really like jumped out at me. Uh, it said, and Pope Francis writes, a father realizes that he is most a father and an educator at the point when he becomes useless. What? Yep. Say that again. I'm going to so unpack that a little a father bit. Realizes he's the most, he's most a father and an educator at the point when he becomes useless, when he sees that his child has become independent and can walk the paths of life unaccompanied mm. being father. Pope emphasized has nothing to do with possession, but rather a sign pointing to a greater fatherhood, that of the heavenly father. Mm. So this idea that, Yes, St. Joseph was the leader of the home, the primary defender, provider, educator, but for the purpose of Jesus becoming a man, that he could then step forward out of that, you know, small holy family and become the 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 leader, the the one who is going to bring about the kingdom of God, but he's Joseph was very important in giving Christ the tools to become that man. Yes. And, and, and so Joseph, you know, we think of him as silent, right? And he has no words in the gospels, 
no words. And he is so much a background figure into and to a large extent. But in a way, what Pope Francis is saying is that is a sign of the success of his fatherhood mm. that because Christ was so fully a man meant that Jesus, that Joseph did his job. Right. And that we as parents, you know, and particularly as fathers in, in fatherhood, like that's the goal to raise adults who then go forward and aren't like dependent, but become independent and free in the Lord. And what a beautiful like vocation sure is. to yeah. have. Um, you know, as we transition to a little bit talking more about, I think you had mentioned that you've begun the Father Calloway book. I haven't begun it yet. Actually, oh, interestingly enough, okay. before Father, excuse me, before Pope Francis declared the year of St. Joseph, I had already planned to start the book by Father Calloway, which is... Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's uh, called Consecration to St. Joseph, the Wonder of Our Spiritual Father. So it's a 33-day consecration to St. Joseph by Father Donald Calloway. And I was already planning on starting it January 1st, because then I'll finish it on the Feast of the Presentation. So generally when you do okay. one of these uh, consecrations, you try to pick a start date that's going to end you on a feast date that's relevant. Wonderful. So I, I do love the presentation as a, as a feast day because um, what it, the feast, what the presentation really is to me as a feast day is Mary and Joseph living out their Jewish identity, living out the law that Moses has handed down that says that you are to present your firstborn son to the temple, have him circumcised and offer him to God. So Mary and Joseph are, are fulfilling, you know, the tenets of their faith. And so in that, you know, Joseph is being the spiritual head of his home. He is he doesn't have a lot of money, but he's getting those two turtle doves and he is going to Jerusalem. He's going to the temple and he is taking this son to be circumcised. Right. And what a beautiful example of spiritual fatherhood to be that spiritual head of the home that fulfills the law as you called to do. And so I love that I you know, had just already had that planned. And so when F Pope Francis declared it the year of St. Joseph, I was like, yes, yeah, I'm like so prescient. Good. No, I didn't think that, <laughs> but I just thought it was a beautiful coming together. Uh, of things. And so I'm really looking forward to going deeper and learning more about St. Joseph and what he has to teach us. Yeah. So one of the, my favorite um, lines, lines, names for St. Joseph, though, is Terror of Demons. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. I love that so much. And I didn't really know that until we got that um, 30 day novena. Uh, terror of demons and of course if you've listened to roundup at all you you know that i'm all about um, some spiritual warfare and calling on saint joseph the terror of demons um such a powerful imagery in my mind right. of the father of the holy family yeah. of course he's the terror of demons yeah it really does speak to that very very important role of a father to protect to protect his children to keep them from harm and uh, you know of course, the, the demonic is certainly trying to harm the church, harm individuals and to have, you know, someone who's interceding with us to to be our protectors. I, you know, we need that. Right. And you were talking about him being the uh, a spiritual father to us all, you know, this foster father, a spiritual father to us all during this um, coming year. So let's talk a little bit more about how we can um, 
cultivate a relationship, maybe maybe the listener maybe has never really explored kind of that relationship we talk about with asking for a saint's intercession mm-hmm. and introducing them to St. Joseph. You know, this is your father <laughs> right. and ways that he can help. I know I... I have always, um, especially with things about my house, right? Like there was a time where we really needed a new roof mm-hmm. and it was very expensive. And, and so I asked for his intercession. And sure enough, after a while, I had a few things fall into place just perfectly. And I got a new roof. And I was so thankful for the new roof. And I, I always accredit him with uh, our new roof. Mm-hmm. Um, think little things like that right. is what made me start that the home Yeah, and I do think that, you know, because there's such a big thing about St. Joseph and the home as far as selling your house, that's like, it's gotten to the point where it's almost cliche, right? And there's these arguments about whether or not it's appropriate to bury the statue in your yard and all that sort of thing. Sometimes we can get a little focused sometimes on asking for his intercession for very material things. Um, But the way I'm really thinking about him this year and really seeking his intercession is for healing and a lot of emotional relationships of father wounds. There are a lot of problems um, right now in our society of fatherlessness, either like literal fatherlessness in the sense that they're totally absent or that because of circumstances, um, people haven't experienced um, fatherhood in their lives as a positive thing, as a, as a, um, an encouraging thing as a, as a thing that it helps them grow into the people they want to be. God and, intended. Right. And so I really feel like St. Joseph could be such a powerful intercessor in seeking healing in those relationships. Um, you know, I actually looked up um, some studies on the consequences of fatherlessness in wow. society. And I came across a, a Department of Health and Human Services um, survey that came out in, in 2012. And it found that uh, children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, become involved in drug and alcohol abuse, drop out of school and suffer from health and emotional problems. So to not have a father in a home or to have like an absent father, emotionally absent father or an abusive father, any of these things, they really profoundly impact the a person's life in such a strong way, both materially as far as like, you know, just not being as successful in life, but also spiritually, because I know you, Pam, as having been a spiritual you know director for many years now, and as I'm training to become a spiritual director, these father wounds can impact your, a person's relationship with God so profoundly. profoundly. Like if you can't, if you haven't experienced the love of a father in a healthy way, the ability to experience the love of the father, the heavenly father can be seriously impacted. And so I think like, you know, we were saying Joseph perhaps can be a little bit more of an accessible way to enter into a relationship where you can experience a loving father that then can maybe help heal a human relationship with your, your human father and also may actually help build your relationship with the heavenly father. St. Joseph could potentially be the bridge for both of these things and how powerful in the life of a soul. Right. And as a mother, I have with four daughters, no less very much so prayed for 
or ask for St. Joseph intercession for holy men to come into their lives to build holy marriages. Because I really feel like that's what God wants. And so when you petition for what God wants, he's usually right there trying to help out. But I do ask for St. Joseph to pray for the spouses of my children um, and then the future spouses of my other children. Yeah, that's a beautiful practice for sure. I think another thing we really ought to discuss regarding spiritual fatherhood is um, I really feel that we've lost a proper sense of this to a large degree as it relates to bishops and priests. Mm. Like this idea that I think so often um, what we're seeing that can be very much the focus in seminaries and things is sort of the... How are you managing a, a parish? How are you functioning in, in more of an, an administrative way? All these sort of demands that are on priests and this idea of how are you going to be a father to your flock? Like, I can, I'll be perfectly honest. In my uh, time as a Catholic, now I will still say I'm pretty, I'm still a baby Catholic <laughs> to, for all intents and purposes. Maybe a toddler by now. Do you think a toddler? Yeah, maybe. maybe a toddler. Okay. But so eight <laughs> years in the Catholic Church yeah. now, um, going on nine, there have been very few times where I've experienced a priest who I have felt fatherly love from. Like, you know, I've, I've felt maybe, you know, maybe more of a pastoral, pastoral sort, of sure. sort of thing, yeah. like, you know, but, but that sense of that I would feel comfortable or, or feel like they would even desire to call me my daughter, that that would be something that they would even feel or be compelled towards. And I'm not saying they don't feel it. I'm mm -hmm. just saying that I haven't experienced it. And so maybe that's an area that we could also ask for St. Joseph to intercede for the church, that he helps priests and bishops become more fully the spiritual fathers that they're called to be to the flocks that the Lord gives them. You know, I'm going to add deacons to that, because as you're talking about those examples of spiritual fatherhood, guess who was the first person, first two people really that came to mind? You can guess the first one. No, I'm not going to guess. You just tell me. Ah, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Mm -hmm. And the next one who I find such good fraternal love from, too, is Deacon Dave Mays. Here, mm -hmm. This is locally in College Station. And I just find them to be so wise and have such great insight. And I, I feel enriched with having conversations with them in general. So yeah. I would add some deacons to that as well. Yeah, that idea of, you know, a, a spiritual father passing on wisdom, mm. I think is a really powerful one. Unfortunately, I think in our culture, there's been such a minimization and even a mocking of fatherhood. Like you think about so often in sitcoms and things like that, like you have like these bumbling males who don't seem to get it, right? They're just, a, they're a mess. They, they're, they're buffoons a lot of times yeah. they're not like this strong wisdom imparting solid figure you know it's, it's almost like the wife's got it all together and the men are a mess well guess what there are so many beautiful faithful men who are leading their families and who are striving for holiness and when that exists within the home there's so much more order Yes. There's so much more peace. There's so much Balance. more sort of well-formed individuals coming out of that, right? 
And so this idea that we need to encourage men, encourage them in their fatherhood, encourage them in masculine virtue. I mean, this term toxic masculinity has taken on and it makes me ill. Me too. Because what it does is it tells men that their masculinity is a problem, that it is something that is hurtful and damaging to people when the reality is that God has given us masculinity as a gift, a gift that's meant to be used to bless the human human family. And if you tell men your masculinity is bad, your masculinity is is hurtful, like they're not going to want to live out what it is to truly live the virtues that are associated with masculinity. Yeah. Um like Thomas Aquinas writes quite quite a bit about the virtue of, of authentic masculinity and he talks about it as it relates to Um, it's really related to perseverance and the cardinal virtue of fortitude. Fortitude, okay. This idea that one endures the difficulties and pains in this world for the sake of good, endures mortifications and sufferings, even death, with a view to their their redemptive power. Wow. So, like, this idea that we think about men— who are willing to fight for their families, who are willing to stand up for the good of their families, who go to work and provide for their families and then also come home and they'll discipline them for their for love of their children and not because they want to be lords of the house in some authoritarian way, but because they understand that God has given them authority to instruct. Those things, like if you don't feel like you can really live out the authority that's God's given you, then you're not going to live it. And then the family suffers from the lack of it, whether it be the, the family, the natural family of a mother and a father and children or the Christian family, as it relates to priest and his congregation. Yeah. As you're saying that, Megan, one of the words or virtues that really comes to mind is justice So I think our fathers are one of the first teachers. Like you said, they're usually more of a disciplinarian in the home and they're enforcing a just law that's Mm -hmm. handed down from God, the father. And we could use a lot more of that in this culture right now is true justice, doing what is right for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think that like that really does speak a lot to like, you know, what we often are seeing in churches today where, you know, priests are not willing to say the hard things. Yeah, They're not willing to stand up for the timeless teachings of the Catholic faith because they're afraid of offending or they're afraid of, you know, people are, you know, going to walk out or whatever. But if you're really going to be a father, if you know that something's going to lead your child into pain and suffering and disorder, you ought to tell them. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't, you don't abdicate your role as the primary like instructor of your your child. Like, and so it's, it's a lack of courage. Absolutely. And, and, but it is a lack of courage and that fortitude that we talked about, but at the, at its core, it also is a lack of charity of supernatural love that says, I desire your good so much. I'm willing to suffer potential consequences of that, of living that out, of giving you that admonishment, of giving you that instruction that's hard. You know, I'm willing to have you be mad at me or come back at me with anger. 
um, or maybe even not put money in the <laughs> collection plate or whatever. <laughs> you know, like I'm willing to suffer that for the good, you know, for the redemptive power that comes in me and teaching you the truth about God's plan for us and how we're called to live. Amen. And, you know, you look at St. Joseph. Let's look, let's just like kind of look at the scenes in it, that the Bible gives us to speak of him. So really the first one is we, we hear that he's betrothed to Mary and we hear him described as what? A righteous man, man. Mm-hmm. a righteous man. Like, you know, so often people like, what do you want in a husband? Well, you know, I want somebody with a good job who makes a lot of money or whatever. Like, I want a righteous man, a man who is seeking to do the good, right. who is imbued with virtue because of his relationship with God. Righteousness first. Yes. That's who God picked for his son, a righteous man. And his and Mary. <laughs> and Mary. You know, for, but we're talking about fathers here. Yeah. But so then, you know, we have this thing where Mary's now pregnant and Joseph doesn't know how. And he's so... Yeah, he's, his first response is, you know, maybe I'm going to step out of this situation. But how was he going to step out of it? Quietly. Because he didn't want to shame her. Mm-hmm. Even though she'd, you know, probably he experienced that as a wound. Like he, he thought she cheated on him probably. Right. I mean, how else does this happen? He knows he didn't sleep with her. Mm-hmm. And she's pregnant and he hasn't had any, you know, what a divine inspiration that it's anything other than the natural way a baby comes about. But even in that pain, he didn't want to hurt. He didn't want to wound back. He was too strong for that. He didn't, his woundedness didn't need to be inflicted upon somebody else. How beautiful. Yeah. So in our, you know, human relationships, how often do we lash out when somebody hurts us? But no, the righteous Joseph, he doesn't do that. And then he gets a dream that the Lord speaks to him and says, no, it's okay. Marry her anyway. What a sacrifice. Yes. And there's that trust that we talk so often on the show is, is increasing that supernatural trust. And you can see that Joseph really had it in that moment. He trusted in the father's plan. He did. He he trusted. And I believe he knew that that meant he wasn't going to have children of his own with Mary. That he understood that to take on this role, to be father, earthly father, to God's son, to the Messiah, and wife and husband to Mary, who carried the Almighty God in her womb, this was not going to be your normal marriage relationship where afterwards, you know, after Jesus was born, they're just going to continue on. And, you know, I, I, I think Joseph understood yeah. that. Yeah. Interesting. You bring that up because one of my favorite books, I haven't, I haven't quoted this book in, in a couple of years. I need to pick it back up again. It's um, Mary as seen by the mystics by Raphael Brown. Mm. And they talk about this time period, like the mystics had revealed that when Joseph finally, they went to each, started talking to one another um, after the angel had appeared, they had a conversation about perpetual virginity. Oh, like interesting. Um, he was like, to make a long story short, he was quite relieved that she was had that perpetual virginity vow because he had taken one too. Mm. So he wanted oh, okay. to remain a perpe- perpetual. Uh, 
uh, virginity, and then they had to have that conversation yeah, after I've the angel never appeared heard to him. That. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this is in you know this yeah. is just private revelation. Right, sure. So take it or not. It's certainly but it's, a possibility for yes, sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very beautiful. So what do, then what do we see next? You know, we see him having to go for the census. He's taking his wife, who's very pregnant, to Bethlehem on this journey. And so he's he's the one, like, protecting them, you know, being there for them, providing for them. He's the one seeking the, the place for her, you know, to give birth to the child. He's standing over her, watching over her as, as the baby is born and, and all that. And then, oh man, they've got to flee to Egypt. And who does, who does the Lord speak to? He doesn't come to sinless Mary and tell her he doesn't have an angel come to her again or give her a dream. No, he comes to the father of the family and he says, Joseph, your family's in trouble and you need to protect them. That's right. God worked through Joseph to save his son because that was the role that he was meant to play, to be the protector of his family, to be the provider of his family. And he did it. He just got up and did what he needed to do. Yeah. You know, and then when the Lord came to him and said, okay, it's time to come home. He was obedient. So being obedient to God, I say was, you know, to be that righteous man who listens to the voice of God, who waits until God guides is a beautiful example of, G- of Joseph's spiritual fatherhood that, you know, we can take, you know, a lot of instruction from to, to root how to lead in a family, how to lead in a, in a church. You know, the men can say, I need to listen to the voice of God and attend to that and then follow that when I hear it. Right. Would you say that's the spirit in which Pope Francis really wanted to proclaim this year, St. Joseph? Is that to foster that um, spiritual fatherhood among the flock, so to speak? I think absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, because he does say, uh, he, he one of the quotes I also liked from him, is he said, uh, Joseph knew how to love with extraordinary freedom. He never made himself the center of things. He did not think of himself, but focused instead on the lives of Mary and Jesus. So this idea of selflessness, selflessness, Mm -hmm. giving of yourself, you know, not feeling like I need to get my way. I need to be the center of things. I need to be the one that's, you know, proclaimed and adore, you know, and like, you know, he's of the three. He's the humble one in the sense that he doesn't have the great honors of being the son of God and the pinnacle of human creation. Right. Right. And so, but to be willing to be in that role of my job being, you know, his job being, you know, put them first, put them forward. And that's what, in our lives, that's what we should all be doing. Right. Not trying to make ourselves the center of things, but putting Jesus forward and saying, this is what the world needs. Less of me, so more true. of him. So true. You know? Absolutely. I just love that imagery of, of you know, the Christ child in the arms of Mary at, at, at uh, Christmas time with Joseph right there and saying, bringing Christ mm-hmm. to the world and that beautiful fathership that he has and you know, I just would encourage listeners as a man to contemplate his his fortitude 
and as a woman um, to contemplate that protective nature and that justice that he provides for a home to kind of try and get things more back in balance with a holy family. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that mean? I think things have gotten off kilter for generations that haven't really experienced the right. father's love mm-hmm. through through the spiritual father and then through a natural father as well. That's um, we'll pray for healing in that. So I think that's going to be one of my prayers in 2021 in this year of St. Joseph is to pray for that type of uh, cultural healing of the fatherlessness you started to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. very important. And I think also, you know, you know, we talk about the lofty situation that, you know, he's got Mary who's, you know, immaculately conceived and Jesus, who's the son of God. And yet still they're called to be obedient to him as the head of the household. You know, he talks about how, you know, after they found Jesus in the temple that he went home and was obedient unto them. And, you know, Mary, you know, we don't see her arguing with Joseph when he says, yeah, we got, we got to go to Egypt. You know, she's, we don't hear that. I mean, so, but I, I really feel like it's that righteousness. It's the understanding of the the self-giving love that the father has that then allows us to be free in our obedience to the father because we trust their goodness mm-hmm. and their desires for our, for our good. Right. I think uh, one of the ways I want to kind of start to wrap up this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder and Roundup, <laughs> two for one, is that overwhelming sense of the love of the Father. If you are a person who've not really experienced that through a human father, and perhaps not in a way from our Heavenly Father, that you will ask for St. Joseph's intercession during this year of a of St. Joseph to to feel the Father's love. And the best person to look at that is Jesus outstretched on the cross. That is an outpouring and a welcoming of you in love. So I pray that you'll be able to, to look toward that. And Megan, it's just so fun being with you. I really enjoy mm-hmm. our time together. I hope we can do this at least once or twice a year, maybe. Sure, absolutely. Would like I that? would love to. Well, so I have two taglines, one for Red Sea, and then I have one for um, the um, shoulder to shoulder. So I will let you do the shoulder to shoulder, and I'll finish with the Red Sea. Okay. Well, we thank all of our shoulder to shoulder listeners for tuning in, and we pray that you would have a beautiful year of St. Joseph. God bless. God bless. And until next time, this is Red Sea Roundup. So go and love your neighbor. <laughs>